Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram Aaron underscore Dugan. Rate, review, subscribe on the YouTube page, Aaron. And what again? <laughs> what is Sean's nickname? P Diddy. What's Sean? His name? Young Sean P Diddy Combs. Young Dugan. Sean P Diddy Combs Dugan does great work to put this show up, so you guys can consume it visually with your eyeballs. Make sure you go to the YouTube page and check it out, Aaron. It's blown up, man. A lot of people are talking about it. Just saying. Tons of people. I'm just going to start pointing to like random parts of the screen so that my brother has to drop buttons in. I'm like, here, you can subscribe here. You're like, really? <laughs> We're just waving our hands. It, that reminds me of that guy on the, on the commercial on the side of the road. He's like, this is going to get tens and tens of <laughs> likes. <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about. Oh, it's so good. It's the mayhem guy. It's the mayhem guy. No free shouts. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. Already in progress. Our special guest today on the show. The crowning achievement of Aaron Dugan's life. Blessed. The Arkansas head football coach, Sam Pittman, Pittman. on the show today. We had about 15 minutes with him. Really great. Really great insight into sort of like how he runs a program. You know what? Like the the, I love the the communication and the strategy and the human transparency. And you asked him about that. And so really great conversation. You Arkansas fans are going to want to hear it. So make sure you tune in for that. Um, Of course, we've got a really long conversation about divisions. And in fact, Sam Pittman. Actually, we asked him about what what he thinks about divisions. So Sam Pittman had an opinion about that. But we're going to give you what we think should happen. I have very good information from the SEC as to why they are going to do away with divisions. I'm not reporting that. I'm just telling you why I think it's why 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 they're in favor of it. I'll I'll explain and why I'm in favor of it. We'll explain as well. Um, And we'll get to Nick Saban, I think, being a little bit tone deaf in his commentary on the Fine Bomb Show earlier this week. Uh, however, Aaron, before we do any of that, the Fringe Element podcast is brought to you by Jasper's, the place you can go and have the best day of your life. And I just had the best day of my life. Are you going to celebrate later at Jasper's, you think? I think I'm going I'm going to have to. I wish he was here. How early could you start drinking on a day that you interview Sam Pittman? Listen, I work every single day, so I can start drinking whatever I want to on whatever day I want to. And Get I don't the- feel bad. Get those dopamine hits ready, baby, because Sam Pittman's coming up later on God, in the program. He's the best. <laughs> look, Aaron, uh, Aaron, first of all, you look spectacular all the time, but you look a little extra fancy the day. You got the hair, you got the hair done and the, the everything's fancy. You, you, you know, Sam Pittman brings out the best and everybody. <laughs> I'm one on, one off with us each week, I'd say. I go like sporty athleisure baseball hat or like hair down, but I definitely gotta go. Yeah, I got to make it right on Sam Pittman interview day. Sam Pittman day. Happy Sam Pittman day, everybody. Um, All right. So (laughs) let's get quick. Go to Jasper's, by the way, free parking. Great place to eat if you're in Nashville. Also, check out all the other great restaurants from Four Top Hospitality. They have 13 locations across the southeast in Memphis, Jackson, Huntsville. Great restaurants. Char, Amerigos. Go on. on. Etch Char, Amerigos, et cetera. Jasper's, et cetera. Saltine, lots of great restaurants across the Southeast serving exquisite culinary delights. So go check it out. And the parking is free uh, in downtown Nashville. Okay, Nick Saban. So th- we're going to play a little sound for you guys uh, here on the show because he was on the Fine Bomb show. I guess this was at a golf tournament. I'm assuming it's a charity. I didn't, I should have done some more research on where this was, but it was on the Paul Fine Bomb show. So all we need to credit is the Paul Fine Bomb show. Correct. And he was talking about parody. 
and his desires and wishes about this. So let's just let's just roll the tape here. This was Nick Saban on parody in college football on the Paul Feinbaum show. Roll the tape, Sean Dugan. Well, you know, I think one of the things that I'd like to see us be able to work back to is you know, everything in college football has always had parity. You know, same scholarship, you know, same academic support, health care, whatever it is. And, um, you know, I don't think we have that balance right now, which could affect, you know, the parity of college football and college athletics as a whole. So um, and I know we got a lot of good people working on it, and uh, I'm sure they'll come up with a good solution for us. All right, so I got a couple of quick things here, and then we'll get into divisions. Number one, I, I do believe him when he says he wants parity in college football. I, I believe that he does. He's probably the biggest problem with that, and it's not just because he outworks everybody or because he's better than everybody or because he's the greatest of all time. There's no question about any of those things, Aaron. But Alabama as an institution is one of the wealthiest, most powerful and, and sort of driving forces of behavior inside the college football infrastructure. And when they have 4 billion assistants, graduate assistants, analysts, healthcare, nutrition, waterfalls are 200 feet taller than everybody else's, that is not parity. Alabama, by definition, has destroyed parity, and no one has benefited more than Nick Saban. And I would also argue, Aaron, that there's never been parity in our sport ever. It's never happened. He who has the gold gets the players and he who has the players wins the championships. It has been that way for 65 years since integration, and I don't think it's ever going to change. So I'm not sure what he's opining for on the Paul Feinbaum show. I hear all of that, and I agree with most of it. I don't agree that Nick Saban is the problem. I think you have resources. You're not going to not use them. You're not going to make sure you're not going to make sure that your players don't have the best possible resources. So I wouldn't say he's the problem. I will agree with you and say that Nick Saban would be fine with it being completely equal because he'd probably still kick everyone's ass. So he's like, you know what? Let's just let me show you that I can do it even with not as much as not as many resources because he probably could. But I don't know if I can't I don't know if we can go as far as to say that he is the problem because how, how do you have all these acad academic support like he mentioned healthcare, nutrition, and you're like, no, don't give it to them because nobody else has it. Like nobody's yeah. going to do that. Yeah. My argument, and, and you're exactly right. Like this is, there's some nuance here. It's not that he is anti-healthcare for players or that he is anti-nutrition for players or getting Definitely more. Definitely not. Yeah. Like, like that's not my, and again, that's not what I'm saying. No, nor do I, I didn't think, think that's, that's what you were saying. Right. And nor do I think that's what he's saying. The, the problem is, is that Alabama, if you were to rank all 130 teams, 131, I guess now, or all 14 teams just in the SEC, which one commits the most resources to imbalance the system <laughs> when it comes to all of that stuff that we're talking about? Nobody does it more than Alabama. It may be Ohio State. Like, I, like that, whoever it is, no one does it more than Alabama. There's the reason that the two greatest dynasties in the history of the sport have happened at the same school because they are more committed to it than anyone else. And that means all the things he's talking about that he wants to be level. But what I think, I guess, what, what does he want? Everyone else to elevate up to Alabama. Like Troy cannot do that. Troy does not have the same budget as Alabama. It's not possible. Here's the thing. Nick Saban's going to follow, follow the rules that are set. That's not on him. That's not on the schools. I, That's I, on the organization, the NCAA that sat around and is the last one to a lot of current day issues that are coming up in collegiate athletics. And, you know, it's like you could have been 
you know, allocating resources to other things. I, I mean, to me, that's just, he's, everybody's going to do the most they can with what they've got. So it's someone regulating how much you're allowed to have. And there's only one organization that could do that. That is now the SEC. uh, (laughs) Well, yeah, but you're not going to do that because you're still competing with other conferences. But, but this, but so then what is he talking about? Aaron? I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but what the hell is he talking about then? I don't really know. I think he went on a tangent and coaches talk. This is the other point I was going to make. Coaches do so many interviews all the time. You're going to just start rambling and maybe just say something that you can't back up or that's hard to back up at some point. I mean, it's bound to happen. I don't know if that's what was happening, but I I I thought it was a weird tangent. I don't think Saban does that. And again, I think Saban believes in what he's saying. The problem is, is that his university and he has benefited the most from that inequity in the system. And you could, in theory, if he wanted to be a leader for change within the system. Instead, what he does is he he kind of like loosely tries to change things. And then when it doesn't change, as we've discussed on the show, he threatens us with it. You go, oh, I don't want the up-tempo offense. Well, okay, if you're not going to let me change that rule, then I'm going to use it to destroy you. Uh, You know, portal, name, image, like all, all on and on down the line, all things that Alabama is is creating lack of parity now uh, let's go back no 60- but they're just doing what they're just winning they're I, I agree but that is the lack of parity the lack of parity is that alabama spends more on x and y and z and probably a through w <laughs> than everybody else and if you want to affect parity and be a leader for parity you could do less that would be against your own best interests. You're never going to do that. You're a competitor. So you need the SEC or somebody else. Let's somebody call, else's job. Let's call it a, a potential breakaway <laughs> from the NCAA, since that's where this is all going. Let, let's call it a breakaway where every student athlete gets 50 grand a year to go to a school in this breakaway top 65 schools. Every athlete gets X amount of dollars in food. Every school can spend X amount of dollars on recruiting. Every like This is... This is what he's talking about, but that requires leadership and, and focus and cohesion and all these other things. Now, histor- keep Go going. Ahead. Sorry, no, I was, okay. was going to say historically, and this is what I don't understand. Histor- this is why I don't, the, the number one thing that makes no sense in his comment is that parity has always existed in our game, or whatever. I'm, I'm I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah, but like it's actually never existed in our game ever. Like it's never been a, like the same 15 to 18 teams have won the national championship with the exception of like 1984 BYU. And like 1990 Georgia Tech, with the exception of like those two years since integration, it has I could probably rattle off every national champion on less than three hands, maybe four hands. Maybe the analogy is not. I, th- I think. I mean, it's the same teams. It's the same teams over and over and over again, and it's because they have all of the resources. So there's never been parity in the in our game, and I, I just am I not agree sure. with that. I'm not sure what he's opining for, I guess. Like, I don't know. Maybe he wants parody. So then his skills dominate. And then it's like, nobody has any excuses. They ha- he's the goat. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't that's know. kind of where my head was going. He's like, oh, you don't want me to beat you this way? Like, how? Right. which way do you want me to beat you? But he's done that in like microcosmic ways all throughout right, his right. career with all the things that you're talking about. Put, like, put you in don't want to sal- play a fast temp- up tempo? Okay, fine. Put I'll in a set. Sal- put- want put in a salary cap. I'll still whip your ass. Like that's, that's his, and maybe that's what he's trying to get here. And maybe that's how we should take it, but he's definitely wrong. Parody has never existed in our sport. So anyway, uh, speaking of parody, how to legislate parody in the sec, we're going to have a conversation about divisions. Sam Pittman, Arkansas head football coach coming up in a little bit on the show. My best. So, friend. so 
the new the Aaron Dugan's new best friend. So let me let me quickly give you a kind of a history. So I, I am of the belief that the SEC is going to do away with divisions. We've seen this from the Mountain West. We've seen this from the ACC. We've seen this from the Big Ten talking about it. Uh, I am um, uh, from what I understand and from who I've spoken to the main driving force behind the SEC getting rid of divisions is going to be more routine scheduling to get more teams traveling through the campuses in the conference more often than they are today. Because if you get rid of divisions for other conferences, the value of that is you put your two best teams in the championship game. You give your conference the best chance to put a, the best team into the playoff. If you're going to, especially if you're going to have automatic bids. Um, and I think it's just easier. Frankly, I just think it's easier than remembering who's in the Atlantic and the coastal and the legends and the leaders. You just like put them the all money in, thing, put them all in one. But when you are selling season tickets and a TV contract, you need more good inventory and you get a big fat check if you go to the playoffs. So, yes. And so the driving force behind the SEC's decision to get a, do away with divisions, should that happen will be because of scheduling. Now, let me give you a quick rundown on the history before you lose your mind about like, not you, but like the listeners about tradition. And I'm happy to lose my mind. Tradition. Everybody's, oh, we got to keep divisions because of tradition. Um, tradition's great until it sucks and then you need to change it. So divisions actually were invented by like a division three conference in like, in like Virginia in like the late eighties. They, they got a rule put in place that if you break up into divisions, you can play a championship game. Roy Kramer, the SEC's uh, commissioner in the late 80s, early 90s, saw this, saw this tiny little conference do this. And he said, wait a second, we can make how much money on a championship game? And he put it into place in 1992. They split, they add Arkansas and South Carolina, and we get the SEC as it is today. That was just fabricated out of thin air, destroying 70 years worth of tradition, or 50, to, to make money off a championship game, which if you were alive in 1992, you'll remember was a major point of consternation amongst Alabama fans because they were undefeated and they had to beat Florida in the championship game, the first ever championship game to go on and win the national title. They eventually did. So all is well. Do you remember that? I've seen the 30 for 30. So yes, as a nine-year-old, I totally remember it. I believe it was Shane Matthews and George Teague, I believe, but maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, so, too little. so if they were to add Oklahoma, and remember Oklahoma, Texas is coming in. So there's only a couple of options here. So now that you have any questions about the history of divisions, Aaron, because like it's 30 years, but like, mm -hmm. is it, is that long? Is that a long of a time to, to call it tradition? I don't know. Maybe not in the, well, it's because then everybody's that's alive's memory, but no, in the large scheme of things. Um, so you if you, so? I, I think there I think are plenty of, of but not I think there are plenty of young people who see the tradition of like the Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Bama, Auburn, LSU thing, and they just go, man, that's how it's always been. Well, Arkansas only joined in 92. Like they're like you can you the right. older the older fans, they they know it as something different. There's another they, way. Yeah. Right. And so they've seen it change. And again, pre-integration, post-integration, pre-divisions, post-divisions. This is going to be pre-Texas, Oklahoma, and then post-Texas, Oklahoma. How do you schedule if you put Texas and Oklahoma into two divisions of eight teams? Like, how do you schedule if you're going to have two divisions and only play your division and then one crossover? You would play Alabama would play Georgia once every 14 years in Athens. You don't want that. You think if you think you want that, you don't want that. <laughs> okay, good, good point. <laughs> I agree. 
the, the, the common consensus around that would be that Alabama and Auburn would move to the East Missouri and Texas and Oklahoma would go to the West. Then you have all the other big 12 teams, former big 12 teams in the same group with Arkansas, who used to also be in the Southwest conference with Texas. Like there's a lot of history there with those mm-hmm. teams, Texas A&M and LSU have a lot of history. There'd be a really, that that's, that's, I think there'd be competitive balance. You know, it, that, that would be fine. <laughs> yeah. But the scheduling is what the sec wants. And that format does not allow you to schedule the way they want. When you talk about scheduling and what the sec wants, what are all the factors that you're taking in, or you think they're taking in when they say it's a scheduling thing? So going back to your point, what's the number one driver of all of this TV? Well, money, more more specifically money. Yes. But those are one and the same. They're they're together. Well, but season tickets, season tickets and booster donations minuscule in comparison true but booster donations are not yes money let's just put money into the big category yeah money's how do we make more money number one we go from eight games to nine games you're automatically adding inventory for everything ticket sales and tv right Mm -hmm. nick saban wants it kirby smart wants it so okay now you're going to play seven teams in your division and then two crossovers. That still is exactly where we are now. Right. And the SEC does not like where we are right now because let me throw out some games to you. Florida and, and Auburn play one time in Gainesville every 12 years. Tennessee and LSU play one time in Baton Rouge every 12 years. How about Alabama, Georgia? One time in Athens every 12 years. Nobody at the SEC office wants that to happen. Fans don't want it. Coaches don't want it. Players don't want it. Nobody wants it. Mm-mm. Do you want it? Nope. A I don't. Woman, a woman of many words. <laughs> I mean, I have more to say about it than that. Do you, you want to play? I mean, LSU, Tennessee, and Baton Rouge once every 12 years. What a missed opportunity, not only for as a fan Bingo. on campus going to games, but even television i mean it's a missed opportunity all around it it, it's it there's an interest it's interest i mean yep you and here's the thing is that i know that in our recent memory you know we tend to remember like the last decade of college football as fans as people in media or whatever like that's what's obviously sticking out in our head because it's most recent but this does it does ebb and flow like florida is you know not always at the very tip top of the conference. We're watching that happen now. Like it's going to ebb and flow, even if it's like, you know, if you're Vanderbilt right now, you're like Auburn, Alabama every year. Like, I don't know about that. But then if like, well, that's probably always going to be a a problem for Vanderbilt. (laughs) (laughs) It's a horrible example. Forget that example. But just like things are going to ebb and flow. And Sam's going to allude to this too, is that you just don't know, or Coach Pittman, you just, it is the way it is right now, but it's not always going to be that way. So I would present to you what I believe to be the most likely scenario for the future of SEC scheduling, which is to Why get- Why do I have a feeling you know to, it's going to happen? I allegedly, allegedly. I al- allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. We have coined the allegedly, allegedly thing. We need t-shirts that say, uh, if anyone out there is a t-shirt company- Chris Childers. Uh, alleged, no, no, no. Don't give him any credit. He Alleg- did. Allegedly, allegedly, and then like fringe element on the bottom. I want a t-shirt that says allegedly, allegedly twice. You know I'm going to make that. You know how I am. I'm probably going to have those made by Thursday. 
Can yeah. you do it? Okay. Yes. <laughs> allegedly, 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 this is what I think could possibly I'm, maybe allegedly happen. Have happened. <laughs> have happened. Will will have happened. <laughs> um, a three because the ACC is going to a three and five. Which a quick quick explanation here: three permanent opponents, no divisions, three permanent opponents, five teams in the ACC that would rotate because they only have fourteen teams. You would then play all other 13 teams in the conference twice every four years. So basically you're going to see everybody every, every, other. every other year. So you'll play the, the three will be on your schedule every single season. And then five would rotate. You do a home and home and then you do the other five home and home. Yes. I have a question. Yes. What, how do they decide those three games? I'm sure one's ah. rival rivalry. And how do they decide the other one? We will get to the rivalries in just a second. I said it right. <laughs> asshole. I know you did. Um, so in the sec, because it's going to be at 16 teams, it's a three and six model. You go to nine games, you have three permanent opponents that you play every single year. Then you play six teams in a home and home two, you know, one year home, one year road. Yeah, I get then, it. then you play the other six, one year home, one year road. So over a four year span, you will have played every other team in your conference twice. I cannot come up with a more equitable system than the three and six model. Honestly, I cannot. I've tried. Maybe I'm not. I'm clearly not smart enough, but that's the best one I can come up with. It's it's the best answer. Okay. And I know well, we hate when we agree, but. Well, this is a whole podcast of agreement, basically. <laughs> um, so the question then becomes, and I posted this on Twitter and got a bunch of Kentucky fans all riled up about this in, in a good way. They were happy, like, like riled up in a good way. You know what I mean? Um, and so. Stop. Just stop. The question is going to be who should every team's three permanent rivals be? Now I cannot go through the list of all 16 teams and all three, like that's 64 teams, like, uh, or whatever it is, 30, 48, really. 40, it's 48 different teams. We're not going to list can't all read of them. fast enough. Well, I think it's hard for the audience to, to listen. If you, if, uh, if puff daddy, young Sean Dugan Combs wants to put a graphic up on the screen, oh, now by all means, using my brother, <laughs> By, by all John, means. you don't have to do that. <laughs> um, but here's Google what I, it. Here's what we can start though. Or go check out my Twitter account. I've listed them all there. Just Abraden. Google, or you can follow Braden if you really feel like it. Abraden Gall, go to Jasper's uh, free parking and uh, rate, review, subscribe on the YouTube page. Wait, can I say something before we move on? Please. And this is a big time like throwback moment to a much earlier episode, but somehow I ended off on a tangent one episode about how the Hustler Hollywood, which is Yes. An adult store across the street that I can see from my window um, had free parking, but I was just kidding. It was part of the ad, but I did drive by it, like getting off the interstate yesterday. And they do have a huge sign up that says they have free parking. So we do not have to issue a correction. No, it was right, but it was accidentally right. But you have to go into the Hollywood Hustler, no free shouts, uh, to use their parking, correct? I don't know. They didn't specify that on the signage. That's a, that's that is one of my uh, that's that's a fascinating street in Nashville and you'll if you ever come to Nashville go check out that street it's a great street. Anyways, keep going. I digress. Obviously. So let's instead of like trying to rattle off like Arkansas should play A and M and Texas and Mississippi State Auburn should play Bama and Georgia and Ole Miss like you can see how that might get confusing to a listener and here's, annoying. Yep. Yeah, so here's what I'm gonna do. I want to lay out the top prior because let me take another step back. I'm getting ahead of myself here. I apologize. Easy, Tiger. Here is the goal in my opinion. This is not from inside the SEC walls or anybody. I don't have any sources on this. This is just my opinion about how, how the SEC, and frankly, every conference in college football should approach this. Balance. 
Your job as a conference is to maintain some rivalries that are important, that are traditional, that matter to people, that matter to schools and fans and to your conference. And oh, by the way, those rivalries probably make you a lot of money. So you want to balance that with playing as many teams as possible, as often as possible, and also creating new, fun, cool stuff. Yeah. So the, the key for me, and that's how I would explain it as, as easily as I can, is just the goal is balance in scheduling. Okay. I think that, yeah. Okay, I'm with you. I thought you were- I, I like this episode. Thought. All you're doing is just saying, yeah, Braden. <laughs> no, I'm just, I just, I feel like you're like dependent clauses. Like, I feel like you have something else after. Oh, well- I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what that is. What do they, does, a dependent does, clause? Did, yeah, does she come on Christmas Eve or what's the deal? I don't, I You're don't know. You're not understand. that dumb, are you? Uh, I end all my sentences with prepositions. So I don't know what that means. But. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll just talk because I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that it makes sense. I, I like this setup. It makes the most sense to me. You create the most new traditions. You have the most opportunities to travel places. If you're a fan and you're like, I don't know, I just want to keep it the way it was. Think about getting to go to all these schools that you've never been to, that your team's never played, experience the culture, the food, like really think about what game day would be like for you. And maybe it would make you more excited. Um, it does for me. I will say that some of these, the traditions that have become traditions right now might don't seem totally equitable to me. For some teams, like you're playing much harder opponents every year than like, uh, for example, Kentucky, Kentucky's three or Missouri, South Carolina and Vanderbilt. Well, that's just that's just what I threw out. That's just my ideas. Oh, those are your that, ideas. Yeah, that's not what's going to happen. Oh, I thought necessarily. that was like proposed. No, 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 no. These are my proposals. Those oh, are, those are I just my proposals. Throw this pro list out. I thought this was way more official. <laughs> No, there's nothing. They haven't even approved getting rid of divisions. They haven't I even approved there was like nine game ideas schedule. Ideas about no, no, what no. it would be. No, this is all allegedly, allegedly, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how they some people play around with it, like insiders will like. But that that's kind of what I'm doing here. Is I'm okay. I'm I have a pretty good feeling that this is the direction we're going. And so what I did was I tried an exercise, which actually is quite fun. If Honestly, you you're probably right though. Like looking at these, this is what would happen. I think I, you're right. I think there'd be a, plenty of them that are not right but a vast majority i think would be right should they decide to go to a no division nine game three and six scheduling model <laughs> allegedly <laughs> allegedly allegedly go to three and six yeah no i mean I, but but again the key is is that even if it looks imbalanced and, and you bring up kentucky because i suggested missouri south carolina and vanderbilt for kentucky because and, and i'm this is not meant to be disrespectful to missouri kentucky south carolina vanderbilt like, but it will be that. Well, they're just, they're, they don't play in the same stratosphere as Alabama and Georgia. No. And, and so I I'm okay with a little imbalance because elsewhere in the schedule, the other six games are going to balance that out over time. And it's so, true because you don't have them. Uh, yeah, exactly. You're like right. K Kentucky's still going to play Georgia twice every four years, Alabama twice every four years, LSU twice every four years, Florida twice every four. Like, so really the question is what, rivalries should we protect should we move to this right. model now the one thing i think is a negative to get rid of divisions is it might make some of the tiebreakers a little sticky i could see that happening like if you've got bama at nine and zero, and then georgia and lsu and kentucky at eight and one but they've only played each other like one time that could create some sticky stickiness with the tiebreakers and so that is something you need to consider with this this type of model um i don't know how you like i don't know how you 
fix that, uh, you know. I don't know if there's an answer to that. There could be weighted scheduling, which I think is probably an actually a better idea, but I, I, it will not, I'm just telling you right now, it will not happen. So where do you, when do you wait it? Like, I know it's all hypothetical. You you would base it off of last year's standings. So here's Vander- the thing though, but think about season ending injuries. And you're given this weight. Yeah. There, that's why you're saying it doesn't work. It, it, well, it won't work because it's too complicated and people won't understand it and it's not as fair. So like if Vanderbilt finished 14th, they could play teams 13 through six or whatever, 13 through five. And if you finished in first place, you could play teams two through 10. Like every year you could just sort of slot in where you finish. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. It, and again, teams change from year to year, but there's no other, like there's no other way to do it unless there's, there's always subjectivity to all of yes. this. And, and a team gets, you know, a, one Kentucky team is a 10 win team. And then they come back down. Ole Miss last year was a 10 win team. Now they're going to be the seven or eight win team. Like, it's not as it's not the same year over year. So again, I don't that would be I think would be my personal favorite. I am under the impression that that is not even on the table. So just oh. but but I, I think it would be interesting to discuss. I just think again, giving the lower teams at the bottom of the conference more opportunity to elevate themselves and then making the schedules tougher for the teams at the top should actually be a, a goal. But you got Sam Pittman on the podcast. Why don't you get Greg Sankey? Got it. I'm on it. Um, <laughs> I will allegedly try that. Um, all right, let me quickly give me, here are your rivalries that I have sort of that are non-negotiable for me. Okay. Tell me, I've got about 10 or 11 or 12 of them here. Tell me which ones are non-negotiable for you. Alabama, Auburn. Has to. Yeah. Non, non-negotiable has to be protected. Non-negotiable. I think Texas, Oklahoma. Agreed. Non-negotiable. I'm going to add Texas and Texas A&M. That should be non-negotiable for me. They don't maybe feel that way, but. I'd love to see it. I'm going to go. I don't feel as passionate about that. Okay. Egg Bowl, Mississippi, Mississippi State. Got to. Non-negotiable. Georgia, Florida, cocktail party. Non-negotiable. Texas A&M, LSU. Recently more passion behind it than ever. But if I'm going like has to happen for college football as a whole, I'm not saying Mm. yes to that. I would love for it to happen. LSU fans hate AM more, remember? We learned that on the show this year. Mm-hmm. Than Alabama. L- what about LSU Bama? I don't think it has to be protected. If they're gonna play twice every four years. No, I mean, no. Um, Georgia Auburn, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. They've played every year in the SEC history. Does it need to be protected? Yeah, if you don't want people to go into cardiac arrest, we should keep it. Okay. So I, I posted my idea on my schedule and uh, Booger McFarlane immediately responded to me because he always likes to like, whenever he disagrees with me, he just immediately, you know, and this is also People a bit love of, to disagree with you. Honestly. Yeah, that's true. It's a bit of a humble brag too, because it means uh Boog is following me and uh, <laughs> responding. Not, to my it tweets. wasn't that humble. I, I saw it. Fair enough. Um, I, I posted this and I have LSU and Florida, which is, a, which is the crossover for both teams. I have that one protected. And as a part of this idea, he immediately said, why do, why are people obsessed with the LSU Florida thing? No one at LSU wants to keep this rivalry. And I was like, really? Okay. Have you ever, so, so LSU to Florida. that, I would say to has like, obviously Booker's been to that game, but I would play, say if you have not there. been to that game. Yeah. I, that's why I'm saying that. Sorry. <laughs> You're just being an ass for no reason. No, say, I'm not. Damn. I'm not. Damn. Um, He's been several times to that that game. So have I. 
Um, <laughs> if you have not been to that game, I would say you need to go before you say it needs to go away. Fair enough. It's pretty good. Tennessee, Alabama. This one hasn't really meant a whole lot to college football in like 25 years. Y'all feel passionate about it. I look on it from the, as an outsider to both of those teams, neither of them being my alma mater. Um, I'm like, why are you, Tennessee, why are you doing this to yourself? I don't get it. When you say y'all, who are you referring to? You and your volunteers. No, you're referring to old people. Because here's the breakdown. <laughs> Seriously, here's oh, the breakdown. Is there a difference? Here's the breakdown. Okay, now who's being fucking mean? Okay. All right. You were mean first. Getting chippy. This is getting chippy today. Even though we agreed the entire show, this is getting chippy. Well, we um, had to go somewhere. Right, exactly. You got well, it's like it's the dopamine gremlins in your brain that have to balance out the pain and pleasure. It's just how it works. Right. So uh Google it. Um, so if you are over a certain age, you think Tennessee, Alabama is non-negotiable and untouchable. It is the third Saturday in October. It is too valuable to get rid of. If you are under a certain age, and I would probably put this number around, if you were born after 1990, so you were 10 years old around the BCS era invention or so, you probably don't care. You probably don't care. I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 39. So I was born 82. I didn't grow up on the third Saturday in October. I grew up on Tennessee, Florida. Like that's what I grew up on. And... I don't know about Tennessee Bama being, I think it would be protected, but I don't think fans care as much about it as the the old folk do. I know that like our, or my, I thought we were in the same generation, but you just really put it. I'm a, I'm a geriatric millennial. So. <laughs> okay. So my, my friends from high school, I was born in 89. So it's, I'm on the late end of this. <laughs> we're the same generation, dude. <laughs> I know I was making a joke. God. But, but really you are saying that like, that's, you know, this is all kind of in that same realm, which is my friends just, there's a lot of kids that go to high school together where some go to Bama and some go to Tennessee because it's all kind of in the same geographical area. They care about seeing each other and hanging out and tailgating for that game. Besides that, I have seen no real passion around this rivalry besides it's a weekend for friends to get together that went to high school together. Seriously. That's all I've seen. I would protect Tennessee, Florida far far faster and far sooner than i would protect tennessee alabama me too hands down no question and and maybe that's crazy maybe we're wrong on that but like that's just how i see it like i just grew up with tennessee florida like that that means more i I don't know like that it just means more aaron it just well it it means means more more to florida too which makes it mean more in general like tennessee alabama means very little to alabama i would say if yeah if you are under 40 yes yeah if you're over 40 i think you probably think differently about that but i tend to agree with you um i just i, I could just see um i i guess here's the last question and and we'll the, the question i have is are you okay with the three permanent opponents being a little imbalanced from team to team yeah because you're switching out on every other game like if kentucky and vanderbilt and mississippi state and Ole miss and south carolina missouri have slightly easier permanent opponents do we have a problem with that no, just because you are seeing those other however many te- six teams. I mean, if your set opponents are easier, then you've already taken up the easier, like the easier bottom tier teams in the SEC. Your gun, your other six games are going to be harder. Right. No. It's going to end up evening itself out. So totally I'm with agree. you. Allegedly, allegedly, that was a great plan. Wow, what a time to be alive! Honestly. All right, 
Anything else on the scheduling? That just about does it for us here on the scheduling. Are we good on this? No divisions. We covered it. No divisions. Put your best two teams in the championship game. Three and six scheduling. Maintain some rivals. If you got some thoughts on it, comments in the YouTube section. Check out the Twitter accounts. All that great stuff. You can do all that and comment and give us your best. Who is your favorite team and what three opponents you would want to see protected? I'm, I'm cool with everybody having like some fresh ideas on this because, I, again, I don't think any of this is set. Uh, I think we have a general idea of where we're going, but I think there's still a lot of things to be decided. Um, I, I just think divisions are antiquated and it's not the best way to determine a champion. And it's not the best way to see all the teams in your league. And we're about to go to 16 teams. So something's got to give here, Aaron. <laughs> so, and then Braden will stop talking about divisions. It'll be a great day. Oh, that'll be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So when we come back, our conversation with Arkansas head football coach, Sam Pittman. Fringe Element, Aaron Dugan, is a podcast about the SEC, and it is, in fact, brought to you by... Sam Pittman. Oh, definitely. It's brought to you by Sam Pittman, the best person on the planet with the best taste in everything, including food, people, ideas. I mean... (laughs) Science. You name it, he knows it. Politics. And if Sam Pittman started a cult, I would (laughs) consider joining. I've been Uh, watching the Leah Remini. It's called Arkansas Football. (laughs) called pig suey no i know i've been watching the leah remini scientology documentary fascinating by the way if you've not seen it yes Yes. dark but fascinating um and i'm not into cults i'm not a big cult girl but (laughs) sam Pittman started one i would at least think about it hey you're in tennessee i'm in tennessee we've got a higher per capita rate of cults uh than we would like to have do we tennessee yeah have you not seen the remnant fellowship on hbo oh my Mm -hmm. god uh that's about tennessee Woo. Um, Wait, is it about the lady that says that the skinnier Gwen, you are, the more Gwen, Jesus loves you? Yes, the way down, Gwen Shamblin. That's like, I li- literally was like a half a mile from my house. I used to drive by that church like every day. Crazy, crazy, Not crazy, good crazy. dieting technique. What would Sam Pittman order if he went to Jasper's? Go to Jasper's, free parking, great menu. Ooh, what would great it, what is the order? Question. Probably has to be barbecue, right? I think so. He's not getting a veggie flatbread. No, Let's no, of honest. course he's not getting a veggie flatbread. Which is my order because it's delicious. You don't, you normally order the um, lobster shrimp. roll. I do the shrimp and goodies. I like the veggie flatbread. Oh, shrimp and goodies. That's what I meant. I like, I like the, I do like the Creole roll. Uh, the burger um, is spectacular. The barbecue pork. I, I, it's got to be the sweet potato barbecue pork. He's fries. definitely getting those. Yeah, I right? don't, but not as his meal. He'd get those to share at the table because he's. Ste- he, steak and eggs. See a steak and eggs guy. He could be. I could see him doing that. He's he an offensive be. line coach. I was pulling up the menu to make sure we don't get this wrong. Mm. Yeah, may, maybe some. Um, maybe a, he could be a smash burger guy too. Uh, that sounds. That's a good one. I think smash burger, but then get the barbecue, the, uh, sweet potato fries for the app. So, all right, Sam Pittman's order at Jasper's. Go to Jasper's free parking. Smash burger, double patties, side item, sweet potato fries, add barbecue. Mm-hmm. That's so, what he always gets. He gets that every time he goes. So a meat as his main course, and then a meat, another Pond meat fries. as his second as a side item. Yeah. And then a meat shake for to drink. No, he doesn't like meat shakes. Yeah. I don't Never gets those when he goes to Jasper's. Don't even know what that is. My gosh, what if? Yeah, stop. What <laughs> if Sam Pittman came and ate with us at Jasper's? Do you know how fun it would be? Uh, a lot of fun. 
I'm literally staring off into the distance thinking about it. For you. <laughs> oh man. And if you're dream. not, and if you're not in Nashville and you'd like to visit a four top hospitality restaurant, which of course is the, the wonderful people that put on Jasper's, make sure you check out one of their fine other re- establishments and locations across the Southeast in Mississippi, Alabama, Memphis, all across the Southeast. You go check it out. Four top hospitality Jasper's. If you're in Nashville. All right. Sam Pittman eats there. Sam Pittman loves it. He, it's his favorite. We are not putting words into an in SEC Pittman's football mouth. coach's mouth. Sorry, Sam. We love you, Sam. All right. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Sam, welcome to the show. We really appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. I've been out doing uh, promotions, you know, caravans and things of that nature, <laughs> touchdown clubs. And and it's my first uh, spring that of being a head coach where uh, the coaches are out on the road. I'm not. Uh, you know, I've been here three springs, but uh, two of them been because of COVID that staff was all in. So certainly different. You know, at times I'm going, what am I doing? You know, things <laughs> of that nature. It's just another new part of being a head coach. So let, let, let's just kind of take your entire tenure there. A couple of years, you just alluded to all the stuff you've had to deal with, both in-season, off-season. What, what is it that you think, and I've talked to Mac Brown about this, who took 10 years off of coaching, came right back, yeah. and sort of like got right back into it, right? What, what is it about your strategy, your delivery, your communication style? What is it about the way you operate through the pandemic or otherwise, whatever, what is it about your style that has worked? What, what, why is it working right now? Well, I'm a problem solver. Uh, nothing, nothing gets to me too, too much. Uh, I, I do believe that uh, if there's a problem and once you get it fixed, it goes away. And uh, if you let it linger, it becomes a, a bigger problem. And uh, problems only a problem till you solve it. And so I think those are things that we do. You know, if I if I don't like something, I just visit. Uh, with whomever, whatever the situation is about, get it handled. That includes any and every player, any and every employee, and and uh, we get it fixed. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And uh, uh, if something's bothering somebody and, and you, you don't even know it, uh, you can fix a problem fast. I think the kids appreciated that. Uh, what we say we're going to do, we put it on a piece of paper. We're going to do it. We don't put a lot of things down in writing, but if we do, uh, we're going to do it no matter what. That's the situation. We're going to do it. So uh, the kids have appreciated that, and I think our staff does as well. Sam, you kind of led me right into this, which is just the importance of transparency, and that's kind of who you are at your core. I know that you know you probably don't have to try at that. That just is who you are. In terms of transparency, what does that benefit you? How does that benefit you as a coach? And on the other side of that, what about being so transparent makes your job harder? Are there any things that it makes yeah, more difficult? I think transparency, a, a great question. I think um, it can also be said being humble. You know, I think I think uh, being humble, being transparent are probably go hand in hand, you know, and I think people appreciate uh, if I make a mistake, I can remember a Friday walkthrough that I got mad. I mean, I was mad at the team uh, because we were having, we had a few, you know, situational substitution errors. 
And the team said, coach, you're so far away from us that we couldn't hear. And I apologized to the team. I said, hey, it's that's my fault. I mean, if you can't hear, you can't hear. <laughs> and so I moved over to them. Something as small as that, the kids appreciated because at that evening I said, hey, look, today, you know, I, I understand you couldn't hear me, you know, and, and uh, something like that. So I think uh, being transparent uh, is good. I don't want that to be taken uh, uh, as soft. Um, you know, I think sometimes people can be uh, so good at communication that uh, and they listen. Uh, I believe if people talk, you ought to listen. You can learn that way. Uh, but at the same time, uh, there is a fine line in there where listening to people empowers them, which is great. But at some point, I don't want that to be uh, perceived as uh, I'm soft. And, uh, you know, I, d I don't think you have to yell and scream at people uh, to get your point across. Uh, but sometimes that's perceived as uh, soft a little bit. Yeah, it's a. It's not the junction boys anymore, uh, Sam. There's no. No, there's no question about that. Let's talk about your quarterback. KJ Jefferson is a, a extraordinary talent and all the stuff we know about on the field, right? We, we see the size and the physicality and yeah. the, the arm and, and all the things he does for your football team and your offense. But all the stuff you're talking about right now, transparency and thoughtfulness and listening and leadership, that's all stuff that has to translate to the quarterback position as well. What is it that makes him good at that? And what is it that he needs to do to sort of elevate his his game to that next level that allows you guys to compete for championships? Well, there's some things he's really good at, you know, taking care of the football, uh, running the football, decision-making. I mean, he's really good at those type of things. Can he get better at each one of those things we just said? Absolutely. I think if you ask him, I think he feels like he probably needs to lose 10 pounds, you know, maybe become a little faster, a little more elusive in that. Uh, that's not his – elusiveness is not his style – per se, he wants to run over you, you know, uh, those things kind of work in that in his game, his leadership skills, his com comfortability around the team and around me has really grown. Uh, the team uh, treats him like he should be. He's starting quarterback for us. It's proven his worth, his value, uh, who he is as a person. So I think those things are his strengths, uh, his weaknesses, you know, of course, doesn't have a whole lot of him. He throws a great deep ball. I think his accuracy is uh, going to continue to improve, and and it will because he he's uh, a humble guy that that knows that uh, hard work is the only way you really can improve. As you guys try to build this program, Sam, and take it to where you want it to be, um, I know there's a lot of pieces that go into what makes up your culture. So it would take way too way more time than we have for you to describe how you built it. But do you have some absolutely's and absolutely nots that have to happen within your program, like things that are absolutely mandatory and then things, no matter what you hear it, you see it, it's next. Yeah, I think <clears throat> we're, we're, we're kind of built on three simple things that I believe that if someone complimented you, that it would be some of the strongest compliments, man or woman, uh, you could ever get. One of them would be loyalty. I think that's a big thing. Anything that's dividing the team is not loyal. I mean, you have to be loyal to each other through thick and thin. So I think someone said, you know, she's really a loyal person. That's one of the best compliments I think you could ever get. And and the other one is is hard work. You know, if they say you're you're a hard worker, uh, and then the other one is that you're tough. Uh, and that can be a man or a woman. You know, you've 
and my mother, she was a tough lady. And that's one of the best compliments I could have ever given her. Uh, loyal, tough, hard work. That's what we're built on. And we always have a chip on our shoulder. Uh, we always uh, want to use the underdog role is who we are. Uh, we thrive on that. I thrive on it, you know, from where I came from of 59 years before, you know, I got my opportunity or 58. And, and you know, K.J. Jefferson got up in front of the team. He was ranked 14th out of 14 in quarterbacks preseason last year. And that bothered him. And But to be honest with you, that's who we are. At one point, I was ranked the hundredth at the last uh, Power Five coach in the in the country and the worst in the SEC. Now I may be that, but <laughs> I I have a chip on my shoulder that I'm not. So I, I think those are those are our values, our core of what we try to get done. And I love the when anybody says we're the hardest playing team they've seen. That's the best compliment we can get because that's the way we win. And so that's kind of how we're, what we're built on. Well, there was plenty of people that had questions when you were hired. You can yell at me if you want to coach, I'm fine being accounted for. You can, you can yell at me. You, you guys have done amazing work. Now I'm assuming that you, obviously you planned it after 58 years to start coaching, being a head coach with name, image, and likeness, the portal, you know, you name it playoff <laughs> expansion. Like that was obviously part of, of your plan. Um, yeah. But with all of that happening, like, are you having fun? Do you have, do you have moments where you're enjoying this entire process? You know, being a head coach has been the funnest time of my life. Now, part of it might be because of my experiences I had before and all that. The hardest uh, time for me as, as an assistant coach was trying to please the head coach. And it, it was stressful to me. You know, I wanted him to think I was the best coach, the best recruiter, the, the most loyal person to him. And that, you know, hey, if I needed something, I kept everything off his off his office desk, you know, I, I took care of my room. Well, there's a lot of stress in that. And as a head coach, it, it's different. You know, it's, uh, it, it's kind of re roles reversed a little bit. And you're, you're more concerned, honestly, about the team and the state. And uh, if you do that, it, to me, it's took pressure off of me uh, because I, I, I feel like we can run a program that would make the, the, you know, the players on the team proud to be on the team and the state of Arkansas proud of the, of the team when they go out there and play. I have a very lighthearted question for you. Switching yeah, gears. All right. <laughs> so offensive linemen in general, and some of my best friends from college, I went to Vanderbilt, were on the O-line. So I don't even feel bad saying this, but there is <laughs> something particularly weird and quirky and funny about O-linemen and you find it pretty much everywhere. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Is it those guys that end up on the O-line or does the O-line make them weird and quirky? <laughs> mm, they're all mama's boys, number one. I mean, every single one. It's true. They can, they can act like they're tougher and tough, but when mom comes around, they just melt, which is, by the way, awesome. But uh, they're all that for, first and foremost, but uh, they're just a different. They're just different. You know, um, they're the ones that, um, their parents or the, you know, don't hit that little kid so hard, you know, different, you know, you know what I mean? They, they have been reversed their whole life because they've been bigger than their, the, the other kids on the field. They've been pampered, uh, uh, somewhat in, but at the same time, no headlines, no anything, just, 
you know, go out there and do your job. Don't say nothing. And, and, uh, you might be the best player on the, on the team, but nobody knows it, you know, type deal, which I've been really fortunate to have several of those guys. But, uh, I think that's a little bit of it. I think, uh, we would all probably be a little bit better if we were O-line, to be honest <laughs> with you, because you're, you're certainly humbled uh, as an offensive line. And, and I know I'll just speak for all those of us down here in the South, which is all three of us. Uh, Mama's responsible normally for the cornbread. And so those <laughs> offensive linemen need the cornbread. There's no question about that. Um, would Arkansas benefit from the SEC removing divisions? Do you have an opinion? Depends on you know, how it works, you know, uh, if, um, uh, could possibly could, you know, uh, it depends on who you're seated with, you know, if they, if, if, if they take a, a high class, a higher class, you know, uh, take a, uh, average of years and you def- split the league and you play half of the good ones and half of the ones that weren't so good and things of that nature, probably, um, you know, could Arkansas benefit if we were on the other side of the SEC, you know, possibly. But then again, in four or five years, you, you might not want to be over there on the, on the east side, you know. So um, it is what it is. I've said the whole time that Arkansas is in SEC West right where they belong. Um, and I believe that, you know, I believe that we should be a much better team than what we were. And I believe we should be better than what we were last year um uh as as we move forward now that's hard to do it's hard to do with that and of course we're getting ready for our third toughest schedule in college football that's three national championships at the toughest schedule in football now they've been trying to fire me for three years they can't do it yet maybe maybe they'll get me eventually but i hope not uh, Sam, we'll let you go on this. Uh, Traylon Burks is here in Nashville. Yeah. Can you can you give us a little insight? We again, we know the physical skills. We know how yeah. good he is after the catch, and and we know he likes to hunt boars with his with his bare hands. But g- give us something that the people don't know about Traylon Burks, the person. Cares more about the team than himself. I mean, that's the the probably the biggest quality that he has. He cares about his teammates. He cares about winning uh, more than he does how many passes he catches. And now. If winning says I have to catch 12 passes, well, you know, then he's going to do that as well. But he cares way more about the team than he does himself personally. Sam, thank you so much, man. Aaron is a huge fan of yours. Oh, I'm yeah. A, I'm a huge fan of yours. We appreciate uh, your time. Aaron, would you like to Before, say something? Yes, I would. <laughs> Come on, Aaron. I don't fangirl over anyone, Sam. It's just because of what you've been able to do there and how you do it and just being a human. I like love that about you. Cause a lot of times when you get in a position like you're in, people aren't able to maintain that human factor. Yeah. So I definitely respect you from that. And my top three accomplishments probably to date are graduating from Vanderbilt. And I started my own business. And then the day you followed me on Twitter, I don't even know if you know, you follow me on Twitter, but <laughs> sure I, I, I freaked out. <laughs> Braden and I joke about it all the time. So oh my. Well, I'm a fan for all the kind words and I'm a fan of y'all's too. And, and I uh, appreciate you having me on. Well, your team Thanks, is fun Coach. to watch. Your team is fun to watch. They play hard. They're tough as nails. So we really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right. Go home. Thanks, Coach. Thank y'all. That was Arkansas head football coach Sam Pittman on the show. Aaron, is that good for you? Yeah, he's perfect. Literally. <laughs> 
he's he's actually quite entertaining interview he's uh, just I'll a see. good person everyone should be more like sam Pittman. he acts how about this unlike most football coaches in college football he acts like a person <laughs> yeah just want just a human just act Can like you a human. imagine like we're so far down this weird channel that we're like his mo is acting like a human like that should be the standard but it's not so. Yeah. Uh, again, though, I think it's a, a thing that we're seeing in college football. People are hiring ball coaches that just that that just like they do what they say. They believe in what they say. They're there for the kids and they want to try to build a team like <laughs> go figure. Much less confusing, honestly. <laughs> go figure. Um, I hope that was awesome for everybody out there. You Arkansas fans, we appreciate you tuning in and hanging out with us. Um, anything you'd like to say, like just would you like to say anything? An acceptance I mean, speech, perhaps. I don't think I did anything to deserve an award except for keep it together. Honestly. Yeah. Sam well, Pittman killed it. No, he's he's great. I love him. He's the exactly what I thought he would be. Exactly what you see is what you get. Um, it's just a breath of fresh air, and he's genuine and transparent and a good person. Yep. So Yep. I can't have nothing to complain about you. Listen, I, as I told him, I was critical of the hire. I have no problem putting my hand up and being accounted for in front of the coach, which is part of the job here. And you have convinced me. I, I, he, he and his work and that team and you have convinced me to be all in on Arkansas and Sam Pittman. Uh, I'm in man. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Then it's a good day. I'm a, I'm a Pittman stand. That's where we're at. Uh, all right. Make sure you check out the YouTube page, go to Jasper's. Rate, review, subscribe, follow us all over the socials, turn on the notifications, give Aaron a follow, and maybe, just maybe, she'll say thanks. Just maybe. Say thanks? For, to you? Yeah, for, yes. Oh. <laughs> for fuck's sake. You're welcome. I told you thank you before we got on the show, by the way. I told you thank you on the phone or via text. If it doesn't happen on the air, it's not real life. I said, thank you times a million, quote unquote. So <laughs> thank F you. Thank, thank you, to you Sam Braden, Pittman. for getting my hero on Fringe Element. I am not forever indebted to you because that's too scary to say, but I appreciate you. Why would I want you to be in debt to me? That sounds I weird. don't know. I just. You thank you to Sam Pittman. Aaron Dugan, excellent stuff. Thank you guys all for listening. Turn all the notifications on. My name is Braden Gall. This has been Fringe Element on the 440 Sports Network. Best day ever.